Welcome back to the Humanity Jitsu Podcast. Today is episode 49. I'm joined by the Yorkshire Gripper. He's not a serial killer, he's a Jujitro. <laughs> Lloyd Cooper. What is up, Lloyd? How you doing, man? All right. Thanks for clarifying the difference between a serial killer and me. <laughs> well, dude, if I if I said it weirdly and said Yorkshire Ripper instead, because you know sometimes the audio isn't super clear, you know people might get the wrong impression. No, so I have to make the the distinction between uh, my things not um, hitting ladies over the head with a hammer, mine's uh, feet. So <laughs> there's a clear difference. <laughs> yeah, you know we can we can uh, debate as to whether which one of them is more immoral but uh, that's a that's a conversation for another for another day i think <laughs> <laughs> uh so lloyd uh for anyone who doesn't know uh, sorry fucking pre had a brain fart there <laughs> i can just cut it out so where are you from and where do you train in case uh, someone wants to get around with you sometime Cool. So um, I'm a Yorkshireman through and through, hence the Instagram handle. Um, I live in a place called Ghoul, um, which is in the north of England. So it's a little town, but really easy to find if you're in the UK, straight off the motorway. Um, we've got a big, nice gym, uh, plenty of workout equipment, big mat space. So check out uh, my Gripper Jiu-Jitsu page for some pictures and videos of it. But uh, you want to you journey over, do good uh no gi classes plenty of high level guys considering it's a, a small gym so everybody welcome but it's like I say probably about an hour away from leeds um you know near sheffield so it's, it's pretty well placed in the in the north mm. so man how did you first get into martial arts did you train anything else before starting jiu-jitsu i did like karate for about two months when i was 14 and i thought it was shit to be honest <laughs> i tried it out <laughs> Like the only bit I liked was the sparring at the end because I could just go for it, you know. Uh, but and then I was like, I got really bored because you'd be doing an, like an hour and 20 minutes of like catters. And I was like, this is really, really boring. And and I was really fighting to stay interested in karate. And, and I was like, I can't, you know, I can't be wasting an hour and 20 minutes of my time just to do 10 minutes of sparring. So I ended up letting that go. I did years of like BMXing instead, you know, more high octane sports, let's say, I suppose. That matches the the sparring in karate. I wanted I wanted the adrenaline dump, um, and then when I got into like jujitsu, what what happened was, um, I think I was I was training real hard at home. And I was I was doing the weights and stuff like that. You know, I was I was growing my body and stuff like that. And I said to one of my friends, I was like, Yeah, man, I benched 120 kilos today, and I'm only 70 73 kilos in body weight. He's like, So? I was like, That's that's impressive. He's like, Not really. He's like, why don't you come try this uh, MMA class with me? I was like, all right, okay, let's go. So I went to this class. I got the legs, leg kicked to death, and I could barely stand up. And then so they did it in two halves. They did like an hour of stand-up sparring, uh, and then like an hour of grappling with with gloves and stuff. Uh, and then, so my legs were sore. And then, then at the time, and I think I was like 21, uh, this 14-year-old kid just choked me senseless. He was triangle, triangle, triangle. And I was like, for fuck's sake. You know, the, the first I was taking it super easy. Like, oh, I'm going to kick his ass. I'm much bigger and, you know, stronger and older. Uh, and then, like, by round two or three, I was, like, really going for it with this 14-year-old kid. And he just repeatedly choked me. So my ego kicked in and I decided I need to learn jiu-jitsu. Mm. Oh, well, you know, at least you handled it. Well, as opposed to saying, oh, fuck this shit, I'm fucking leaving, you know, at least you're like, oh, maybe I should do this if a 14 year old can kick my ass in this. 
Yeah, I suppose there's two ways of looking at it. For me, I'm if I get beaten by something, I'm I'm gonna really learn it and try and you know become good at it so then I can use it against everybody else. I think that's probably a theme that's followed me throughout my jiu-jitsu career as well. Mm. Uh, that's a pretty good way to look at it because you know there's so many fucking people, especially when it comes to you know your forte with the leg locks. They're like, man, fuck leg locks. I, I ain't touching that. It's fucking. It's fucking. I heard someone say leg locks were gay one time. No, no joke, no irony. I'm like, ah, ah, it's funny. Like, no, I legit. You know what I mean? I don't know. You know, saying, saying they don't work. Like, okay, they clearly obviously work. Oh, they're. I don't shit. understand why a a move would have a sexual preference. <laughs> I know people are insecure. Like, oh, if you, uh, okay, is it okay? Is it gay if you leg lock a woman then? Mr. Fucking gay moves. <laughs> what is it? Joe Rogan says people who are homophobic um, secretly worry that cocks are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe oh that's it, man. Maybe that's it. Uh, maybe they're just worried that leg locks are so good and they just they they haven't put enough time into them. They're like, well, you know, this is a massive fucking hole in my game that I'm shit at, but. I just want to ignore it, pretend it doesn't exist, bloody bloody blue, that sort of shit. It's just weird though, like how the perception towards leg locks always being that way, you know, it's like shit, you're a dirty armbar guy. Well, nobody thinks like that, do they? Or chokes or anything like that. It's this like stupid idea that's been propagated by a lot of the old school Brazilians, and it just, you know, I think in the last two or three years, it's become widely more accepted, but it's there's still a little bit of that stigma there. It's really really odd, and I don't understand it. It's like, you know. Why is it suddenly a dirty technique? It's weird, man. Like, you know, if, like, you know, just before we move on from this, like, say, say someone comes in, a perfect stranger, and they just have a move that just keeps fucking getting you. That's not their fault for tapping you out with a move. It's your fault for not being aware and conscious of it in the first place. Just one second, mate. I think that one of my kids' toys is going crazy. I can't do it. That's probably <laughs> Yeah, sure. It's one of the kids' toys. You're just pretending not to be a man. Yeah, yeah, that's there. it, mate. Sorry. Having two kids, <laughs> I'm either stepping on something or... I mean, I'm, well, I'm sat in my daughter's bedroom, which is pink with fairies everywhere at the moment. So, you know, the, the life of a tough jiu-jitsu competitor, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry well, about I, that. Are you a meal fisher or some shit, Mr. Unicorn Rashgard? <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. Not quite. Still work right, masculine... Uh, training gear but yeah i'm in my, my little daughter's back bedroom sorry anyway let's move forward okay man what would you say is the thing you struggled with most in your early days of training a certain technique or concept that just wasn't sinking in for you Ooh, that's a real good one um i think concept wise was, was acceptance of being crapping it and beating for such a long time you know that's i think that's the the reason for the attrition rate within jiu-jitsu you know it's a sport which deals you a large amount of failure very early on obviously you grow personally as a result of that which is great but um and i think you know i think jiu-jitsu has helped me become better in the rest of my life because of because of that you know experiencing and going through failure to achieve something greater later on and become stronger um so you know that that's what i struggled with in the early days because i couldn't comprehend like you need to lose so much and it's worth it sort of thing and you know i'm glad that i stuck it out but i think like uh techniques wise um i don't know maybe like triangles because i've got really short legs but that's only a 
<laughs> body a body thing really <laughs> oh dude like uh oh you will get this the you know when you sh- here's something i've been trying to implement lately because i have a similar issue like i i i can safely say the last time i triangled someone was like a fucking year ago <laughs> right yeah <laughs> but like you know when you shoot up the sort of diamond guard thing where you have their leg and their arm sorry their head and their arm in the equation like yeah they think they're going to get triangled but I just slap on a Kimura and they're like, oh, shit, 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 shit. Because, you know, they think it's they're fast. getting triangled and they're getting Kimura'd. <laughs> misdirection, um, that, you know, that's often the best sort of attack. If you can misdirect them onto something else, and that works the best for sure. But I think I think the di- most difficult thing for me in the early days of Jiu-Jitsu is just the mental aspect of getting beaten down so much. Mm. Uh, dude, just a quick aside with the whole misdirection thing. People, you people should read *The Art of War* by Sun Tzu. It's very applicable to jiu-jitsu. You know, just saying. Oh no, no, I've, I've read a few bits of um, Sun Tzu and like Miyamoto Musashi as well, *Book of Five Rings* and all that. Um, I, do, I like a lot of that Japanese philosophy. It's good, real good. Mm. Oh, dude, I just got that fucking uh, Musashi audiobook. It's like 50 hours long. I'm like. Well, it's like, but it was, I got it for free because of, you know, every month in Audible, you get a credit. Not sponsored, by the way. This isn't a fucking sponsorship plug. <laughs> plug. And that shit. It's not, you know, but, you know, you get a book for free regardless of how much it costs. And this one's like 50 hours. I'm like, nice. <laughs> you got your money's worth there, mate. <laughs> what money? <laughs> as, as, as they say, as a tight fisted Yorkshireman, getting some a lot for, for free is a, is a win. Definitely. <laughs> Oh man, see, what was your first? What was your first sort of experience with jiu-jitsu competition? Like, how'd it go for you? Um, let me just think. I tell you what, it was nogi, um, and it was a competition called Ground Control, and the guy who ran it was um, Jason Tan from Liverpool, who runs um, MMA Academy there. And it was written to be fair, like at the time in the north of England, that was like the go-to competition. So the first one I competed in, ironically, was nogi. I remember, like, I was, I, I was so scared. I was like, oh, shit, man, this is, you know, this is serious now. You know what I mean? This guy's going to fucking try and hurt me, really bust me up. And I remember getting on the mat, and they were just calling his name and calling his name and calling his name. And he didn't, and it, like, I was like, oh, we might not turn up. And I, and I was sat there, and I sat down, and I was like, fuck, yeah. And I had such a, like, shitty attitude. I was like, oh, I might, I might win this match because he doesn't turn up. I was like, yeah. And then, then he was like, oh, I'm here. And he, and he ran over and I had su- such a sinking feeling. I remember like the first minute of the match, I had to have like, you know, I was fighting and I was trying to like have a word with myself. Like, come on, come on. I ended up arm barring him. You know, what I mean? like, it was pretty good performance on my behalf, considering I was a brand new, like three month white belt or something like that. I ended up arm barring the kid. Um, so, you know, and, it's, and, it, and it was a good learning point for me. I, I had such a poor attitude and then but actually pulling it out the hat afterwards. I think that's probably something that again that followed me through a lot of my competition matches i've always got a belief that i'm going to win even though you know however poor the circumstances are so yeah it was ground control in i think 2008 something like that (laughs) oh man the weirdest fucking thing happened me when i I first started when i was at my first competition i only just remembered this here the uh i was in like the bullpen like uh it was close enough to when my match was scheduled and like uh, they just called my opponent's name, and like uh, your man hadn't hadn't come in come into the bullpen yet to weigh and get get weighed in and all that. And man, I was just looking around, and I looked at this one guy with sort of locked eyes, and I just made a blind fucking because I looked at your man, I saw his name was on the thing, 
And I just made a blind guess. I'm like, are you this guy? He's like, yeah, how'd you know that? I'm like, uh, I'm fighting you. And like, I was nervous and shit until I saw him. I'm like, man, why am I nervous? It's just some guy with a beard. It's not like some fucking, fucking random. It's not some beast of a man. It's just some guy with a beard. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was some 17 foot tall steroid monster. Then. <laughs> <laughs> What, nah, do you think I'm in? Think I'm an ultra heavyweight or some shit? <laughs> no, you know I, th- I think you've touched on a good point. Is that our brains tend to build these things up much more than they actually need to be, you know. And the best piece of advice I've ever heard anybody give, and I've heard this secondhand, was Chris Out apparently said to, uh, to somebody once. Um, if you don't know Chris Out, he's um, the head, head coach of Combat Base USA, um, and he said to somebody, "Look, mate." Outside of this sport, nobody gives a fuck what you're doing. It's only you making this important. You know, and it sounds like quite a demotivating point, but, it, you know, the the premise is is that you, you're nervous because you're investing so much into it, but life goes on. And, and I think it's kind of freeing at that point. You know what I mean? If you realise that a little bit and take a bit of pressure off yourself, you're liable to perform better. Mm. Now, you know, because, you know, all the pressure is just self, it's like just self-inflicted shit, really. You know, no one's saying, you better fucking win this match, you better fucking win, you better submit him, you better win by 100 points, or you're fucking out of here. No one fucking says that, because no one no one thinks that, no one gives a shit. Definitely, exactly. You know, and people who, who don't do jiu-jitsu don't, you know, whether you win, lose, or draw, really, they don't really know or care, I suppose. It's only important to us. Mm. See, while we're on the topic of competition, do you have a preferred rule set that, you know, you like competing under? ADCC, I think definitely, especially more so in later years. Um, just, I think now heel hooks are much widely more accepted. But I think ADCC, the way the rule structure is, it you know, it creates a level of urgency with respect to point scoring and you know, um, decentivizing guard pulling, especially for me. Like, you know, I, I'm I really I'm really comfortable off my back. I like to play guard. So there's been plenty of matches in uh, ADCC rules I've done where I've pulled guard and I, you know. It's it's forced me to get think back into points games. I do a lot of sub only. Um, it, you know, it makes it sometimes I slip into just playing off my back, hunting for legs and hunting for arms and stuff. But um, I think last year I was um, I fought a guy called Linjip T, and the time before, like three four years ago, I think I broke his foot real bad. But so I was just in like submission only mode, and it went to overtime, and I was down uh, one point because I pulled guard. Um, you know what I mean? So, and then it was like, shit. And I ended up sweeping him um, with like five seconds to go with the match. You know what I mean? So I do like, I do like um, ADCC just because of that level of urgency that it gives you to, you know, not to only hunt for submissions, but then score points like late as well. Hmm. Is there any particular rule set that you're not a fan of? Like, is there anything you, any rule set you fucking just don't like competing under? Um... You know, everybody bashes the IBJF. I think that's, you know, I've, I think there's a, a time and a, a place for IBJF. And I think, you know, having points um, matches there does create, um, you know, it creates an opportunity for submissions to happen because people might fight the guard pass, let's say, so much and they'll give up the back or things like that. You know, so submissions will happen in, as a result of points uh, matches. I, you know, I'm... I prefer submission-only matches and stuff like that, but I think the ones what get me is where they have um, judges' decisions in sub-only. So, you know, it's not too much include, um, considering all points. Because I think what that drives is where, you know, some guys 
oh well on a you know when it's like a draw or something like that if nobody submits it's a draw then you'll get like one of the guys or two of the guys that'll just fight to not lose if you know what i mean it doesn't drive people to to be particularly aspirational so i think that it's it's important that there's definitely an outcome win or lose not win lose or draw so if i was to be critical i think it's it's sub only where there is a draw is an an eventuality the one thing i like this isn't this isn't necessarily a shot at this particular rule set it's just the people who cheese this rule set it's uh the ebi people people who just fucking do anti-jiu-jitsu for 10 minutes until it goes to overtime and they're allowed to they're given the back on a silver platter and then they just work from there like dude you know anyone can just go 10 minutes without doing anything and just be yeah. angled into a good position then uh, i, I don't think like that. anything that gives you an easier way to win yeah definitely so you know when look you can't be too critical because if that's within the rule set that's fine but i think it's the onus is on the promoters to you know create a an environment where you know people are hunting aggressively for submissions and like you know you look at like grapple fest you know their their onus is on you know submission attempts genuine submission attempts wins positional uh, wins over positional dominance and i think like the way polaris does it with the thirds you know you're driving on three times a match for people to win a period of, a period of time so it creates much more action you know what i mean so they're the sort mm. of things i really really like mm. what do you think of fight to win like uh they, they have like it's mainly uh, like some sub only but then there's points and then like slams and you get you get a point for slamming someone like yeah, you know what? Weird. I've, I've only, re, uh, you know, I didn't have flow for a year, and I've only re, recently rebought it to get um, Grapple Fest. Um, but you know, and I've started watching a lot of fight to wins, and I'm, and I don't 100, I'm not 100 clear on the rules yet. But what I have noticed is a lot of their matches tend to be really, really action packed. So you know that whatever they're doing seems to be, um, a, you know, a good representation of what set up whatever they've got it's, it's paying off in the matches that i was seeing i guess mm. plus i sort of noticed their matches they have a shorter time limit so you, you kind of have to go balls to the wall straight away yeah definitely i think you should do you know six minutes go for it you know 10 minute match both guys are going to be considering the cardio and the pace in the match and so they're going to pace you know pace themselves right out it's, it, i don't think that works as much i think six minutes um and then 10 for finals or something like that Maybe that's just going to get in old, though. <laughs> All right. What was the first sort of seminar you attended in jiu-jitsu? And do you remember what was taught of it? Oh, no. i tell you what. I attended a seminar for my first day in uh, for, like, pure jiu-jitsu. Because I did MMA for, like, three months before I realized it was, it was jiu-jitsu. So this first seminar I went to was actually Hoist Gracie. Um, I, didn't, I didn't train, but I watched it because I didn't have a gi. So I'd just done no gi at that point. Um, and it was it was weird because, like... It was in the gi and you know i was thinking oh it'd be cool to actually get grade in the gi and we'll do that i'll do that bit as well as like the no gi and the mma um so it was like half of it was like closed guard stuff which was really really good and you know applicable to sport and then he was doing a lot of the, like the self-defense shit you know up against like walls and bear hugs and i was kind of like confused at that point and i think very early on i realized that i wanted to do something competitive or well, to jiu-jitsu competitively but like only applicable to sport that's the bit that interested me not so much the martial arts and the self-defense element of it you know what i mean so it's really it was really weird a tale of two halves at seminars like he did some good jiu-jitsu stuff and then uh you know the less interesting to me self-defense stuff mm. like we all know the self-defense stuff is all good and well but like 
I'm going to make a controversial statement here. It's fucking boring. Like, it's oh, yeah, um, I agree. It's, you know, it's, it's boring. You're speaking a bit plainer than me, I was, I was thinking it, but yeah, definitely. Like, no disrespect to the fucking self-defense jiu-jitsu guys, you know, they're doing good work and stuff, and, you know, it's obviously necessary, but, you know, it's not as entertaining as a fucking, it's not as fun to do as fucking reverse De La Wormgaard. No, no, definitely not, you know. Um, I've, I've been in classes before when you've done an hour of catching a rubber gun at your head I'm just like shit fuck's sake what we're doing There's no, <laughs> you know if I have to fucking catch a gun from my head and knock it out of position I've done something seriously wrong I should have ran a long long time ago you know it's not as if gun crime's a massive thing where I live either so nah. R- run away that's the best that's the best self defence mm. or you know fucking I don't know uh, in Minari in, in roll them sorted <laughs> nah him and I would roll away I think nah. <laughs> the weird thing is though like since since I've been doing jiu-jitsu you know probably 11 knocking on 12 years now I don't tend to get engaged in like you know even if I'm in a pub or anything like that I just think it makes you carry yourself with a certain level of confidence that dispels anyone any dickheads from wanting to do anything you know what I mean don't get me wrong it helps having cauliflower ears and r- looking like a rough fucker like I do but I genuinely think that if, if People who do jiu-jitsu carry themselves with that greater level of confidence. That's en- enough of a deterrent. It really is. Mm. Plus, sort of, like, you don't really feel the need. Like, say someone is some drunk assholes all in your face. You're like, man, I don't even really, like, need to prove that I can beat the shit out of this guy. I fucking know it. He's just some drunk dickhead. Man, who cares? You sort of, you care less about shit like that. Exactly. Exactly. You're right. Yeah, you've taken it all out and choking somebody about two hours before. <laughs> All right. Have you ever integrated something from a seminar so well it's just become a mainstay of your game? Ooh, yeah. You know what? I probably forgot more than I've, um, you know, more than I've taken. But I guess uh, uh, let me shift the 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 question into like which are some of the best seminars I've had. Um, I've had Lachlan Giles at the gym. That was great. I've had Craig Jones at the gym. That was great. Um, Tommy Paul Cannon, uh, Mr. Spaghetti BJJ. He did some really really good stuff. But um, I guess, uh, you know, one of the, uh, an Australian black belt, one of the original, I think the original Australian black belt, John Will, um, his structure is so regimented, like he gets everybody in the same body position, he counts you through the, the you know, the stage of the move. I probably remember more of his techniques that I've, I've from uh, his seminars that, you know, I've, I've got most of those in my game now, and just the way he describes it, you know, um, so definitely John Will is is up there. He's if you if you don't know who he is, check him out. He's and if you get an opportunity um, to get him at your gym, he's he's an exceptional teacher. Mm. Uh, dude, a really good one. I went to uh, around in early December of last year, I think it was. Fucking uh, Adam Vordzinski. That was a really good one. Oh, nice. I wouldn't mind going to that to one of Adams. That'd be great. Dude, it's just his, his fucking lion's mane, man. He's so big. Like, I'm normal, I'm average size, but man, I look like a fucking midget next to him. <laughs> big Polak dude, man, yeah. He's, uh, he looks a beast, and he's, you know, he's used to throwing big fuckers like Jande around and stuff in competition, so not not surprising. <laughs> and then I got a few questions that I ask coaches and stuff. So, what's the first sort of technique you you uh, instill in like a beginner sort of class? What's the first thing you teach like a new pe- new people? Grip fighting. Yeah, um, you know that's I think that's something I picked up super late. So my beginners class we do all like 
only in the gi, just to give them a more of a, a round. And I think no gi probably lends itself more towards athleticism than fitness. So, you know, put all the beginners through the gi first. Um, but I think just to get people used to it, before we even like progress into the ground, you know, because typically when people uh, who are brand new start, they find articulating the body extremely difficult. You know, you're like, oh, well, just twist your hip and shrimp out. And, you know, they struggle with those concepts. So we do a lot of just warming up, like, right, he's going to grab you on the collar and you're going to grab it here and you're going to grip break, you know. And we work, I work through a lot of those. But I think once they've got them from an early stage, they become quite difficult to deal with early on because, you know, you imagine you're playing guard on a guy, playing close guard. And he's just breaking your grips as you're trying to break him down. It's going to make him very difficult to submit. So I do an awful lot of grip fighting, even though me personally don't do much uh, gi anymore. That's what I'm, I push a lot of the beginners to do. Mm. And that's applicable oh, for no gi, though. You know what I mean? If you're if you're difficult to pin down or break down and things like that, and you, you're shutting the game down, it's going to only stand your de- overall defense in the best stead. Mm. See, like, uh, I think the smartest thought that ever entered my head was this sort of way to categorize gi and no gi. I say, no gi is like athleticism, but gi is like artistry because, you know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, what is no gi? It's just like grabbing, throwing leg locks and all that shit. But then, like, you see all the weird complex shit in gi with the fucking, uh, yeah. like, I'm not saying no gi isn't complex because obviously it fucking is, but the weird, like, as I said, reverse. No, the, the, there's guard. a greater number of variables that you can employ, isn't there? You know what I mean? Um, and you know what? I, I think Gee's really, you know, I, I was really passionate about Gee for a long period of time. Um, I've gone off it a little bit when you get, you know, some of the matches when they are just, you know, 10 minutes of lapel rock, rocking and back and stuff like that. That was a little bit of a turn off for me. But in terms of if you're looking, you know, the reason a lot of people get into Jiu Jitsu is because it's a deep sport and there's so much to learn. And you could learn it for 20 years, you don't learn. And, and, and Gee's really the, you know, the, the major depth, I guess, behind that. So you're probably right, artist reverses athleticism. But you know, there's definitely a lot of people out there that have proven there's enough, there's plenty of artistry in, um, in nogi, and I think especially so in, I guess, the last two or three years with respect to the growth of leg locks. Hmm. That's the what's it? Uh, I can't read my own fucking writing sometimes. Jesus. <laughs> I see. Uh, what would you say is your preferred coaching style? Do you emphasize drilling, rolling, or specific sparring? Yeah. So the way the way I said to do it um, is I'll show like a, a progression of techniques, um, and I'll try and keep on a theme for a period of time. So we'll, I'll get them drilling it out. Then I'm I'm heavy onto like positional sparring as well. You've got to pressure test it pretty quickly. So more into you know positional sparring on a particular technique. But like you know for the last week we've been in the gym doing like uh, drills on half guard. You know half guard build it up. How'd you go off your back right now? Putting the half butterfly in right. Let's use the half butterfly to get to the legs. Let's do and then we do we need a class on half butterfly to the front headlock. You know, so so I'm building up a theme so they can see like the you know the tree. But then it's very much into, right, we need to spar that. It's because, you know, it's all well and good drilling something until you're blue in the face. But if, you, if as soon as it's pressure tested, you, you need to make adjustments. You need to be able to calibrate the moves that you're learning. Hmm. I see. We got a bit of a tricky question here. Every time I ask one of these uh, gym guys, like, uh, they sort of stumble on this one. It's like, uh, what would you say is the most important value you've instilled in your gym environment? Oh, that's great. Um, that's a really good one. Uh, ah, there's so many. 
Like, a pri- I, you know, I, I pride myself on trying to create a fun training environment, but also one where people work, work hard, I guess, you know. I think it's probably more to do with hard work, you know, and I think I'd even go as far as saying we've lost students in the past because it's quite a, a tough training environment, whether it's from like physical fitness point of view or the way we roll, you know what I mean? So, and it's just that acceptance of hard work, I guess, is one of the values I've got definitely within that, uh, our students. And I think that's considering we're such a small town, you know, comparatively in the middle of nowhere in UK jiu-jitsu, um, that's probably why we do, uh, we've got some pretty decent guys, I guess. God damn it. So, yeah. Do you have any advice for future gym owners? Because we all know open up a gym, it's not all fucking uh, sunshine and rainbows. So I'm not the owner. I'm just the coach. So this is probably not the great question. But I think, you know what? Um, one of my coaches, Adam Madzed, who runs Factory BJJ in uh, Stockport, he's, he's given me a lot of, you know, business coaching and stuff like that. But you need to be like employing multiple revenue streams. If you're just relying on Right, I'm just going to do monthly membership and that's it. You know, you need to be doing lots of different things, selling the merchandise, you know, doing the uh, private lessons, doing the refreshments and drinks and stuff like that, do seminars. You know what I mean? You need to be getting plenty of revenue streams into your gym because that's going to make, you know, your gym environment more secure financially for yourself, but also for your students. You know what I mean? Hmm. Okay, we got a few of the questions off the Instagram, and so, some of these go, are pretty mate. good, and some of them are <laughs> fucking really weird. Just the way they're phrased, I'm like, okay, here's one of the weird ones. Uh, what reserve unit would you like to join, you dirty rent? What the fuck, <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> right, so there's, um, I'm not going to name any names. Uh, I've got a, a, a paratrooper who comes to the gym. Um, so, I, you know, I just threw a, a few ideas around so one when i was younger i was considering going in the army and obviously i'm now 33 and it was something i was i'm considering in the future is maybe joining the reserves um uh, so renth means rear uh, echelon maintenance force so basically if you call somebody a renth in the army um it's a derogatory term saying you're not really a soldier so obviously because he's a paratrooper calling me a renth is suggesting that i'm just like you know i'm a cook at the back or something like that so there you go so yeah, that's uh, I, I, I'm not going to name any names. He's off to a, a theatre of operations soon, but yeah, he, uh, <laughs> an outspoken paratrooper. Yeah, I'll send you his name later so you can uh, confirm. Well, it. I, well, put it this way: it's not English sounding, is it? No. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know who it is already. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Uh, is it true that he has six toes to help with his leg lap game? Uh, no, I'd, I'd go as far as saying I've only got four toes because my two big ones are fucked. They're just bony, massy stumps of shit that have been broken too many times. Jesus Christ, man. What the... F- How many fucking leg kicks did you take? Fuck. It's just turf toe, rolling my big toes and breaking it. Like, I had, a, I had a toe operation on my big toe a few years ago. I remember the x-ray and it just looked like a honeycomb because I've broken it so many times and carried on rolling. It just, like, grows and re-breaks and grows and re-breaks, so... Yeah, my big toes are a bad state. That's why I don't do much wrestling. Oh, God. Okay, what's it? Uh, Les Battersby or Jim McDonald? Oh, Jim McDonald, absolutely. So <laughs> I don't know who, who this one came from, but um, I'm a big fan of... Uh, if you Do you ever watch Coronation Street? Did you get that over there? Oh, uh, yeah, we do, but I don't watch that. Uh, 
Dribble. Jim, Jim McDonald was a character in the in like the nineties, I guess, and he was a Northern Irish guy, but he was tough as fuck. He used to cut around with like curly hair and a tash and a camo jacket, and he took no shit. So Les Battersby was a bit of a, a girl. So yeah, definitely Jim McDonald. So it is. <laughs> yeah, he, he took no attitude off nobody. <laughs> okay, uh, ask Lloyd about his non-binary cock chopping. <laughs> For fuck's sake! Oh my god, <laughs> this is some weird students. Honestly, non-binary cock chopping. Jesus, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> so you know, obviously, fucking in the like lads' environment, in the gym, people turn up. We're like, oh, dude, check out this fucking weird video I've been sent. And this, there was this like guy, and he identified as non-binary. Um, then he did like a fucking how-to guide on literally chopping his penis off and making himself mm. a eunuch. And literally, it was a fucking stage-by-stage video. So um, I think I'm guessing it, it, the kid who put this in is Corey, maybe? Uh, um, neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> so as I was saying, Corey's like, oh, mate, yeah, he's a non-binary cop chopper. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> if, uh, if anybody yeah. wants to see the video, just uh, I'll link you after the podcast, okay? <laughs> Uh, I'd rather not see a video about some weird non-binary guy chopping his penis. Off, <laughs> no, no thanks. Keep it clean and cool. <laughs> uh, keep it, keep it PG-13. Oh, bruh. Okay, last question from the Instagram. Just the best one. When did you realize you had a foot, foot fetish? Okay, this is probably an actual legitimate question. Um, I I started to pick up like straight footlocks at Purple Belt, uh, but then. I was winning a match like 12, 15 nil in the gi. I was like, oh, this is easy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, you know, to keep scoring points and then like, finish this guy. And then he straight footlocked me. And, and like I mentioned earlier on, like I've always got a belief I'm going to win. Um, I was just like, well, I just won't tap. I'll just you know, not tap and then I'll, I'll win at some point. You know what I mean? Um, and he popped my foot pretty good, to be fair. It was like the first time I took a, pro- uh, a proper foot pop. So I was like, shit, yeah. So, you know, I was kind of getting into him anyway. And the fact that I got finished with that just really led me to start aggressively learning leg locks and trying to employ them a lot more. So, you know, that that guy who submitted me at Purple Belt, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You created a monster. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Okay, so guys, I've reached a segment of the podcast. I like to call around the specifics. Just a bunch of random questions. Some about jiu-jitsu, some aren't about jiu-jitsu. So, do you want to do a round of specifics, Lloyd? Absolutely so. Awesome. I'm glad that that question didn't confuse you like it does my other guest. Like, wait, what? Sure, okay. <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm okay, a Yorkshireman. But... I say I say yes to everything. Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> All right. Uh, what was it, what's your favorite gi in your collection, if you have one, Mr. No Gi Man? Ooh, yeah, I think it's my Scramble and 100 Athletic Collaboration gi, definitely. That's uh, 100 Athletic is, do you remember the MMA fighter Kailuno from Japan? Mm, uh, I probably know. You'll, but, um, you'll definitely see him. He's, he's been around forever, still fighting. So he's got a, a clothing brand called 100 Athletic. Uh, and obviously... A lot of sc- um, or the mod gi, the, you know, the, the green one with like the um, REF logo on the... Um, on the the sleeve and stuff. Hmm. Oh, man, what was your favorite TV show when you were growing up, if you have one? Coronation Street, watching Jim McDonald. <laughs> no, um, I've got to think. 
Biker Mice from Mars, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Jesus Christ. Man, that's like the most blatant Ninja Turtle ripoff I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, what the fuck? Man, they had motorcycles, mate. That's pretty cool. Yeah, didn't one of them have an eye patch and a robot arm? That's that's like fucking... It's like so cliche. Hey, so weird. Was it uh, imitations? This most sincere form of flattery, I guess. They didn't even have four mice. They just had three. They 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 went three quarters ass as opposed to full ass or even half ass. Come on. <laughs> I think I have. I get the impression I've offended you there. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> but Ninja Turtles is way better. Don't even don't even at me. <sighs> Uh, man, fair, I, did, I did used to have uh, Leonardo. I used to play with him, uh, his toy quite a lot. So. No, I just thought you used to play with him quite a lot. Like, wait, what? No, no, no. I'm glad, no, no. You, I'm play... glad you made the distinction of the yeah, toy. Yeah, I didn't play with a guy called Leonardo. No, no, I definitely didn't <laughs> do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That, uh, is there any movie that you would describe as underrated, in your opinion? Oh, the problem is I don't get much. A movie typically takes me about five days to watch nowadays with the kids. So I've, I've watched as many recently. Um, the Big Lebowski is definitely underrated. Not many people have watched it. And I think if everybody watched The Big Lebowski and get little, gave a little bit less of a shit and didn't take themselves as seriously, the world would be a better place. So if you haven't watched it, go and watch that. Uh, you know what I'd really like? I'd really like a gi that's in the pattern of like the dude's poncho, or like, exactly whatever yeah. that that thing is. Like if it's a it's dressing, a dressing gown, gown, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. If we had a, a gi that was patterned like that, I'd I'd be a happy man. With the milk stains and stuff. Especially have ranked milk stains or have a rash guard with that, but the milk stain is the rank indicator. It'd be white <laughs> milk, blue milk, purple milk, whatever. I'm still reeling the fact that one of my students asked about non-binary cock chopping on that. I thought I was going to get weird questions, but Jesus, that's rocked me. <laughs> Man, that's that's such a weird fucking thing. Jesus Christ, bro. <laughs> what the fuck? Man, well, if, you, if you're ever going to, if anybody who's listening is ever going to visit Ghoul, you know what to expect, right? <laughs> you're all a bunch of weird cock chopper enthusiasts over there. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, man, I, I hope you don't do banana splits like groin tears, or else that's 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 the pattern I'm seeing. Nah, nah, no, oh. we're good, we're good. Okay, you salvaged this, man. Uh, what was your first video game console? And what was your favorite game on it? Oh, me. Um, my big brother had an Atari. Um, I can't remember the game because I was like really young. But you know, Atari's was like literally two pixels and was the kind of game. So they had Pong on that was pretty good. Um, and I can't remember, there used to be one um, where you could, like, fly planes and shoot each other. But I really got into, like, Sega Mega Drive. Um, Streets of Rage was pretty good. I played that a lot when I was a kid. Um, and then, like, PlayStation 1, I did a lot of Tekken. Oh, dude, fucking Tekken. Oh, my God, man. The fucking... Do you ever see, like, um, the pre-rendered cutscenes? that they, They're so fucking scary, the way the fucking... It's fucked up. Just the way it's animated is fucking yeah. creepy. It's like it's the uncanny valley just in, encapsulated. Oh my it was God. funny, actually. There was, um, you know, the character Heihachi with the, the old yeah. guy with it. So we had a, a maths teacher um, and he literally had the like spiky gray hair at the sides 
and he was he was like 60 but he was quite muscular did a lot must have done a lot of working out but like ball through the middle so everyone used to call him hey hachi and he, and, he, and he spent like six months not knowing what the fuck anyone was saying to him he was like what why do you keep calling me this name so yeah that was <laughs> i suppose a, a weird form of flattery rather than bullying Oh, dude, that's that's a great compliment. Imagine if like uh, someone named you after a fucking fighting game boss. Imagine if someone started calling you Shao Kahn or something. You'd take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, of course you would, man. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Exactly. It is a compliment, motherfucker. He's the emperor of Outworld. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, what was uh, your most embarrassing injury? Whether it be jiu-jitsu injury, non-jiu-jitsu injury, just the way you got injured was just a fucking ridiculous. Here we go. So cool little story so obviously the fact i mentioned my missus does jiu-jitsu she's a purple belt um there was one time the day before a competition right so there's a match in liverpool uh, and in, in my bracket is sean mcdonough and lee simpson if you know those guys so two pretty good uk guys uh so the night before um i'd you know me and my missus were messing around chasing around i pinned her down and i'd wiped like a head with a bit of chocolate so she got a piece of chocolate in her hands and she, you know, like all calmed down 10 minutes later, she walked up to me and what she she intended to do was like swipe it across my face and mark my forehead. And you know, like, you know, just a piece of chocolate. But what she, what actually happened as she tried to do that, she swiped her hand, a fingernail gouged a chunk of my eyeball out. Ah. Yeah. Gave me like a, a massive scratch in my eyeball. Um, so I could barely see. <laughs> so I rocked up to the competition the next day and managed to I managed to get through the first round. Uh, I'll dig the I'll dig the uh, footage out. So I managed to hit a really really nice reverse Delaheaver armbar um, in the first round in about 20 30 seconds. Um, and then had a battle with Lee Simpson and lost just out on points. But it got so bad I, c- I couldn't even see out of my good eye. So I'd, I'd strapped my bad eye up. I couldn't see out my good eye. And then for the next three days, literally, it was so painful in my good eye. I, I just had to like listen to the TV. I couldn't open my good eye. So. That's, uh, yeah, that's probably the most embarrassing oh. injury. So then, it, you know, we coined the uh, bit of a joke that I was uh, subject to husband beating by my missus. <laughs> Fucking, that's some domestic violence up in there. Jesus Christ. Yeah, please get me out. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we make an ad campaign about that? Uh, eye gouging and chocolate bars. That would be a great campaign. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I agree with you. Mm. That's it. Uh, Fucking... Who would you say would win in a fight, the Terminator or RoboCop? I want to I wanna end this debate once and for all. Ooh, I would suggest Terminator. He's got a greater level of bodily dexterity. RoboCop's a badass, but he seems very rigid, you know, like the way he walks. You know, for, we're talking fighting. You need to be quite flexible and dexterous. So I'm thinking Terminator, mate. And I'm an Arnie fan as well. Mm. Uh, but, man, RoboCop has, has a fucking... Jetpack, rocket launcher, flamethrower. I know that won't work in the Terminator, but still, not to mention, here's the reason I put my money on Robocop. He has a human brain. He can fucking think on the fly. He can adjust and think of new plans way quicker than fucking a, mach- a regular machine could. Nah, dude, you've seen the T100 or whatever Arnie was. He's got like that that targeting computer and stuff. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> so does Robocop. And he has the human brain on top of that. I think we need to make this fight happen. Oh, dude, it already has happened, like, multiple times in the comics and shit, and, like, they, they never want to say conclusively who would won, and then there's this weird fucking comic where it's an alternate future where, like, Skynet is just Alex Murphy's head in a fucking weird computer shit, and he's, like, the framework for Skynet. It's fucking weird, all this shit. 
that is a that is a an interesting matchup though, definitely. Dude, I'd kill to see that. But the best Terminator is the T one thousand Robert Patrick. Best, yes. don't even at me. Yeah, he's gonna fuck everybody up. That just the way he he like portrayed it as well, like him as an actor in that, like. He never breathes. He only he never blinks in the fucking movie. You because he's a robot. He doesn't blink. He uses the guns with his left and right hand because robots don't have a favorite hand. Just so many nuances to his performance. He just it was amazing. Very intense. Dude, his fucking st- his stare got him the fucking parts. <laughs> oh man. See, while we're on the topic of weird shit, do you believe in aliens? Yes, because I think you know. Uh, again, I'm not geeky about it, but I think it's a mathematical certainty that there is extraterrestrials. Um, I don't know if they've been to you know Earth, but there will definitely be aliens out there for sure. They're going to look like the big heads and big eyes, maybe not, but there's def- definitely, definitely going to be other things out in the world, definitely. They must look at us like we're, just, like we're stupid. <laughs> well, how do you think... Uh... That's how you look at white belts, I imagine. Yes, like, most definitely just, so. Just do do the hip thing. <laughs> exactly like that. Why why don't these humans just uh, become intangible and walk through walls? Why do they need doors? They're fucking stupid. <laughs> why have they Why have they made Donald Trump the president? Man, why do they drive around in cars? Do they not know no levitation yet? Man, these these fucking this, these monkeys are fucking retarded. What the hell is wrong with them? Let's kill them all. <laughs> So, yeah, I think there's got to be aliens. <laughs> oh, man, here's a good one. Have you ever been on a really terrible date? And uh, you can't... Let me guess. If any of these are your missus... Dates you've been on with your missus before she was your missus, I'm pretty sure she's going to gouge out your other eye. Uh, any terrible dates? Yeah. Um, no. I, I, I trust in my ability to wrestle shitty situations and make them good ones, so... All the ones we missed has been great and everything before that. To be fair, at university, I was I was drunk most of the time, so I can't remember good or bad eight anyway. <laughs> oh, man, if only drunk Lloyd was here, I could ask him. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Ooh. <laughs> I did this one time. I fucking rugby tackled this one chick because, like, uh, her drink was too expensive, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Run away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, what's it? Here's a bit of a philos- What's it? A moral dilemma. If you're up for it. Yeah, mom. I like this sort of question. Okay. Would you rather cure cancer or solve world hunger? I'm gonna go with cancer because that's affected my family personally. I guess so. Very selfish, but you know, that's, sometimes you've got to take decisions that benefit you. Um, and you know what? And I guess. Looking at it objectively, cancer is probably more difficult to cure. You know, if we we have got the capital in the world to be able to solve the world hunger, it's just rich people have got to be less greedy. Mm. Fair enough. Because, like, you know, I know you said it's selfish there, but you know, it's good selfish. You know, you're you're not just a you know curing your your family and friends. Literally, everyone in the whole world cancer free. You know, that's that's good selfish. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's that's my choice. Mm. Oh, man. Uh, in your professional opinion, do you think you could pull off a handlebar mustache? 
<laughs> yes, but the problem is, like with a handlebar mustache, obviously with a bald head. I ju- if any time I've had like a tash or a goatee, you know, whenever I shave my beard, I always tend to put one in for about three minutes until my missus threatens to leave me. But any time I do like a tash or a goatee, I just look like a white supremacist. <laughs> so you know, it's not a good look. You know, trying to be trying to be professional at work or in the gym and stuff like that. I get new students, and it looks like I'm going to go to a Hitler Youth rally or something like that after <laughs> after work. Yeah, so for me, it's either clean shaven or a stubble and a beard. No, no, no handlebars. Mm. Uh, I can just imagine that now, like with the fucking uh, Hitler stash and the bald hair. Like, uh, guys, you should be happy that you're still white belt. I, I don't like being a black belt. White belt is good. <laughs> Ref- yeah, refuse, refusing the belts. <laughs> nah. Or sort of, uh, okay, so guys, you're going to have to put your hands on the hips. You're going to shrimp and frame away. And also, you have to secure the existence of your race and kill the interlopers. <laughs> but, you know, we can worry about that later when you get up in ranks, whatever. There is probably people that have those types of discussions, though, right? You know, some of these idiot, like, KKK guys or whatever in America. I can't buy a black car. I've got to have a white car. Man, oh, do you know what's a weird thing I noticed? A family guy made this really good joke one time. It's like, uh, you know, th- that guy, that black guy is rich because everything he owns is white. And then this guy pulls up in a white Lamborghini. Everything he owns is white, his clothes, his hat. You're like, man, what, what the fuck? That's so fucking weird. <laughs> they do the best jokes. The, uh, I had to, sh- you know, at work, um, I had to show the guys. Have you seen the family guy one when um, it takes Brian to the, like, Italian shop? He's like, it's oh, okay, Brian. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know, I know how to speak Italian. He's like, no, you don't. And then he's going, Baba de Boopy. <laughs> Have you seen that? Clip? Yeah, Baba de Boopy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a quite, you know, casual racism, but it's fucking hell. I was, I was laughing so much at that, so much. And he's like, <laughs> I, and then the I guy's like, you're not that. even speaking Italian. Baba de Baba de Baba de. I see. You know, like I don't, I don't get like uh, uppity about racist jokes. I just like. Uh, I make the distinction if it's a good joke and it's racist that's grand but if it's just a shit joke and it's racist like okay if this is a shit joke and it's racist yeah, so if, it, uh, if it's funny it's funny you know, yeah, look, you know a joke's a joke i think if you you know racism to me is when you're acting actually acting out prejudice towards somebody else you know if you're trying to do something negative i guess towards them jokes a joke mm. people people need oh. to take things too seriously Oh man, the best fucking sort of racist joke I ever heard was uh, I, I told this on the podcast before, but it, I think it's fucking hilarious. Like, okay, um, what do you call one Mexican on the moon? A problem. What do you call two Mexicans on the moon? A problem. What do you call every Mexican on the moon? Problem solved. <laughs> that sounds like Donald Trump, for sure. I'm I'm sure he, he's co- he's coined that one. <laughs> uh, guys, what do you call one Mexican on the moon? A problem. Is two Mexican and moon a problem? Three, problem stuff. No wall needs to be built. <laughs> the thing is, you know, this is how crazy America is. You've got Donald Trump as the president, but then you've got a guy who's clearly probably a pedophile, you know, in Joe Biden, running against him. Have you seen some of these videos on him, like, cupping girls' necks and stuff when he's having these photo opportunities? He's and man, fucking... sniff, sniffing their hair. It's so fucking crazy. Mate, what a world we live in where the most powerful nation on earth has got Donald Trump as the president, but then a fucking clearly closet paedophile or whatever as the as the opposition. Life's fucked. That one's a, 
Oh, sorry. But what astounds me about that is like all those people that do support Joe Biden, they just ignore that. They like won't address it at all. Like fair enough if they addressed it and like, oh, blah, 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 we don't like this. Like, you know, I'd respect them. But the fact that they just ignore it, it's like, well, uh, he just likes sniffing people's hair. I think that's more of a problem, you know, is people are getting so stratified left and right. They're ignoring you know, reasonable information and guess. People hate Donald Trump so much. The radical lefties are just going, yeah, Biden's our guy. You know, oh, no, you know, he's a bit weird around children, but Biden's our guy. I think, you know, all the riots in America and stuff like that, I'm not getting too political, but, you know, people are uh, complaining about Trump and, and stuff like that, yet they're fucking assaulting, you know, innocent people in the street. They're burning down buildings. So anything too left and too right is just fucking ludicrous in my eyes. Mm. Like... I just think in general, being too sort of dedicated to an ideology in and of it is just bad. Because if you take every single tenet of something, you take it to its logical extreme, it's going to end end up badly, regardless of what it is. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, look, when I talk about like UK politics, as a Northern Yorkshire lad, most of my, you know, my dad and grandfather's always voted Labour, right? Um, in most of my younger years I voted Labour and I didn't really and I didn't vote Labour this time because I, I, I felt UK Labour had gone too far left um you know as a northerner I've never voted Conservative and the problem and they're going further right I, I don't the problem is is you know a centrist movement is more logical but it doesn't get enough votes because it it's not engaging enough so I just want people to be normal and chilled out <laughs> mm. Uh, see, we got we're here for the last question. Are you ready for the last question? Ooh. Good. Let's move. Yeah, let's move away from politics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't get too comfortable there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, what's the most important lesson you've learned in all the years of training jiu-jitsu? Hard work equals results. Simple as that. You know, um, uh, all my life, like it's something that a theme I keep coming back to. But whatever you want is achievable you've just got to be willing to pay the price that's there you know if you want to be a professional athlete great well make sure you work your seven days a week twice a day you know there is a price to pay and you know there's a, there is some elements of luck but i think a lot of people aren't willing to to do difficult things for good results you know and that's what we struggle with a lot of especially modern society because things are on a plate people don't want to you know, I can I could go on my phone now and find out any information I want. I can order a pizza. I can watch any video I want. It's easy. I mean, people don't have to work hard for anything anymore. So, you know, a, a lesson that I've always stuck by is just keep putting in hard work until you get the result you want. You know what I mean? And that's why I think, you know, I don't consider myself particularly talented or anything like that. But that's why I think I've done OK jiu-jitsu. I've done all right in my career just because I've got a, an, um, an attitude where I'm unwilling to stop. <laughs> Mm. now you know what they say never stop stopping yeah yeah good way of saying it definitely good way of saying it so i know it sounds a little bit cheesy but hard work equals results now that's a great way to look at it man so guys thanks for watching the episode if you want to follow lloyd on the social medias it's at yorkshire gripper or grippers jiu-jitsu i'll have the stuff linked anyway so if i bastardized the way i said it you can just look it up in the description anyway <laughs> nice one andrew appreciate your time mate uh man is there anything you want to say before we shoot off any sort of final words of wisdom 
yeah, uh, if you want to watch the non-binary cock chopping, uh, chopping video, just send me a message afterwards. Uh, so thank you to Corey Nobs for uh, that suggestion. <laughs> uh, but no, just check out the, the page Gripper Jiu Jitsu. I'm trying to grow that a little bit. We're putting video logs on there. Uh, I'm going to be doing like weekly technique videos, a little bit more professional, just like your iPhone stuff. So check that out um, and keep in touch with the gym, I guess. But thank you again. Mm-hmm. Appreciate uh, you having me on. Ah, thanks a lot. So guys, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Stay tuned for the next episode soon. Adios.